Welcome back, everyone, to another Merge Conflict. We are in the height of .NET 8 preview season, and I cannot be more excited. This has been a big week. Um, we are recording this on the 12th and on the 11th, 7-Eleven, 7-Eleven, Frank. Yeah, sure. So, Why not? Like, like the chain. Uh, things dropped. We've got new previews, .NET 8 preview 6. I mean, that is like literally, it's basically done. And it feels like it's done, but then also they're dropping new features left and right. And I'm so excited about it. I have three big things to talk about today, Frank, that I want to dive into with the .NET 8 Preview 6. Some things don't even need .NET 8 Preview 6. But some of them do. And some of them are new tooling things. I want to talk all about them. First and foremost, Frank, <laughs> I want to talk about new C Sharp 12 features. New, new C Sharp 12 features. Have you seen this? Do you know about this? Really? Okay. Well, see, you know, I did preparation for this video. I was all ready. I, I'm, I'm ready on the tooling side. And okay. then you come swinging out with a C Sharp 12. I wasn't ready for this. Didn't we cover C Sharp 12 already? Uh, right. We covered it twice already. <laughs> they're, they're taking one of my favorite features. So useful. One of the most useful features in the history of, of C Sharp. Well, there's so many features, but more one of the more maybe the C sharp six feature and they're like we're doubling down double you know it's double the release from .NET six so we're going in with that this name I of f- name of oh name of name of oh you were gonna guess of. and then I didn't let you guess did I I'm sorry no you you totally talked over me name of though wow um what's there to add it works fine no ah, but it didn't work with member names. Uh, things in initializers, static members, or in attributes. And now it does. It didn't work with those? Okay. I'll take your word for it. Puppy Don't always says. worked when I needed it to. Maybe I, I always just used it with properties. Maybe I was just a boring person. Yeah, I always thought it, it always worked too, but apparently it didn't work with certain certain things, member names, and okay. initializers. Yeah. Well, yay, great, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so for example, like you could do like, you know, say you have a string named Frank, you could do frank.length, and then you could do a name of that. Um, of the length. Yeah, okay. I like it. I like it. Um, mm. Again, I'm just a little surprised, but I like it. It should have been there in the first place. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's in there. Now. <laughs> it's in the box. Um, what what were you thinking? I was thinking of C Sharp Are you going to abuse it? No, I, I wasn't thinking of a C sharp six feature. I, I I was worried you were going to say something completely different, and we were just going to be ruined here in the podcast. C sharp twelve, man. I I, I was worried you were going to say extension methods or extension everything, as they like to call it, because no. someday we will have extension everything. But let's not even bring it up. Let's not even mention the name anymore. Dot C sharp six. Um... Okay, C sharp six we got using static. Right. Pretty good. It's pretty good. Nah, I, I don't use it as much as I thought I would, but sure. Same, same. Uh, yeah, that I agree with that. Yep. Uh, name of expressions. I love name of. I use it all the time. <laughs> that, that is a feature that I use more of. Now the name of feature is really great for refactoring, but also just mostly refactoring. But also. You don't want random string allocations that's hanging around. No, it's it, uh, it's it's a good safety. I I it's caught mistakes I've made yeah. for sure. Here's another big one that came in C sharp six. C sharp six, honestly, one of my favorite C sharps. Null conditional operatings. The question mark dot. The Elvis operator. 
Wow, yeah, null propagation. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's good. I think it's good. It was a little bit scary because I think that was before null reference checking. I think that came in C-sharp 8. So it's a little bit scary that we're making things even more null. But I guess, I guess like if the null reference exception happens earlier or later, I guess maybe later is better. So good job, null propagating thinger. I, I you ready for this? Checking. Okay. You ready for got? this one in C sharp six? It's a big one. Mm, is it is a sixteen bit floating point that came at some point? It no, I don't think it did. No. String interpolation. That is a big one. I was using Ginormous. that just like an hour or two ago. Yeah. I was string mm. interpolating everything. Yeah. We got, I, like it. Uh, I, I don't like the dollar sign in the front. I, I don't like putting the dollar sign. What do you what do you want it to? What do you want it to magically know, know? What do you want it to be? What Maybe do you want it to be, act, Frank? You're just you're Matt Torgerson. You design it. OK, well, I, I do like that. What in C sharp nine or something, you could put like thirty dollar signs and three hundred quotation marks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just in case, you know, just in case. Uh, we got. A bunch of initialization updates, auto property initialization, index initializers, expression bodied function members. Expression. That's really important. I try yeah. really hard not to write squiggly braces anymore. That's right. C-sharp, that was a big release. Wow. Okay. Which, uh, yeah, well, which uh, oh. version of .NET Core was that? Was that like two or three? <sighs> we're, we're just going down memory lane. Hi, everyone. Enjoying the view? Got I don't. Trees on the left. I don't know. It says you you have to have mono four or newer. So whatever that, that means. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. I like that we're in a more simplified version number world, at least today. Yeah. They also had um, exception filters. And also my favorite, one of my favorites, you can do awaits in the finally block in the catch and the finally that's huge what were you doing why why are you doing awaits in the finally you gotta you gotta finalize stuff asynchronously no yeah that's like a precursor to the async for each then yeah uh awaiting on that one interesting um okay we also got uh, you have to tell me about these two specifically one is inline arrays Apparently they added a a thing where you can do a attribute called inline array into compiler service. Uh and here they're creating a struct called buffer of 10. Yeah. And it's basically pre-allocating 10 to the array or something like that. Can you explain this one to me? Yeah, sure. Um I, I'm making a slight guess here, so 90% correct. Uh I think what they're doing is exposing a feature that's available in IL in the immediate intermediate language at the assembly uh, level and that is when you stack allocate or even heap allocate i think in both conditions you can just have memory tucked away in the assembly and you can say whatever you memory you allocate in ram like i said i think both heap and stack it'll just copy over what's already in the assembly or maybe even do <laughs> fancier things with crazy memory management tricks and all that kind of stuff so it's just a clever way to store a bunch of data inside of your assembly and get pre-initialized arrays. 
not sure what the runtime advantages are and that kind of stuff. That That's some pretty low-level optimization when you start caring about how quickly your arrays, your constant data arrays are initialized in memory. Yeah. I mean, Kathleen literally said in this blog post that it was pretty much made just for the compiler, you know, and done it library. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's one of those things. It's one of those low level. There's still a few low level things in IL in the intermediate language that are 100% exposed in C sharp. So it's almost like just kind of getting closer to the edge of what's possible with the language. Makes sense. And here's another one for you. Do you know anything about interceptors? No, but I, I could make guesses. Tell me more, James. I don't know if you've heard of something called ahead of time compilation frank aot uh yeah I, yeah hi hi i'm frank aot kruger this is what i do for a living oh so what if i told you that sometimes you write code but sometimes. it's maybe not opt maybe it's not optimized for aot compilation what if when you compile the code your code could be intercepted and then statically generated <laughs> over what you wrote with more friendly AOT code. Here's an example, Frank. Imagine you're writing a regex and you said regex is match and you give it a regex. That's fine, not really optimized for AOT. So an interceptor, when enabled, it will swap it out with a constant pattern that is intercepted and it will use statically generated code that is then optimized and friendly for AOT. It'll do it behind the scenes for you. So basically, they're swizzling your code, Frank. They're getting in there, they're swizzling it up and they're making it all super duper Nice. And they, they show like minimal APIs and dependency injection graphs and serialization. They're like, this is going to be better. We're just going to fix it for you. This is my very surprised face. Are you still talking about C Sharp 6 or are you talking about C Sharp 12 now? Oh, 12. We're back on 12 train. Okay. Because I'm like, this sounds very new to me. I have not heard of this. Okay. <laughs> Crazy. Um, I am curious. Is this a runtime? thing is it only in aot it must only be in aot when it does it's this, a both I guess. Th- this one both. this one re- this one requires dotnet 8 you know how some of those c-sharp features are compiler only and some of them are like the you need both two and one this one yeah. is a uh this is a two and one i am really curious what they're intercepting <laughs> um, because it's in the blog I, I will read the blog. Uh, we should do a whole episode because I am very curious what these interceptors are. Maybe we can get someone on the pod about mm-hmm. it. Maybe Cyrus. I like these low-level the things too. I knew the Xamarin low-level things much better than I know the .NET low-level things. So I got to catch up, James. Well, Frank, just like the interceptors are going to intercept your code and make it AOT friendly, what if I told you, Frank, that... There are more platforms now that can be native AOT'd. And what if I told you one of those platforms, the only one that's been added, is one that we develop for every single day, Frank? And what if I told you it is your main platform? And what if I told you it was iOS? (laughs) Wait, wait, what platform? (laughs) iOS for .NET. And of what if I told you, Frank, <laughs> what if I told you that this native AOT compared to the mono AOT could net you a 40% reduction in your size on disk and your IPA size? We'll see. That's what I'm going to say. 
We'll see. <laughs> um, I love I love my LLVM compiler. Um, I know every time uh, a Microsoft person posts how, how how great their AOT is, I'm like, I don't know. I like my LLVM. But uh, hey, I'm willing to give it a shot. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, so I want to talk about a little bit about this because you know this little blurb, and I'll put the links in the show notes to it. It, it seems like you know when you talk about you know it's been I've been working at Microsoft now for seven and a half years since acquisition, and when people ask us like, "Well, what was that like?" right, and I said, "When you know, there's a lot of advantages to it, which is like the .NET team and the Xamarin team are now closer than ever." you can literally see in this feature the amount of people that are working on it in just the issues that are there. Like half of the <laughs> issues are in the .NET runtime repo. Half of them are in the Xamarin iOS one. Some of them in different places. And there are fixes that are happening in the runtime and inside of Xamarin uh, iOS and iOS for .NET to basically make this thing even better. And in correlation with not only the iOS team, but also the .NET MAUI team, because they got to make other stuff more compatible too which they document, they document the, here's the interesting part. This is a really cool blog because it talks about the current state, which is like, just do an iOS, no .NET MAUI, everything's gravy. Do you know what .NET MAUI? Uh, well, we got, there's, here's this. And then we hot fix this other thing. And then here are these four issues and here's why X, Y, Z. And then like, like the worlds are combining into this magical thing. So it's really kind of fun to see, like, this is how things get more close together in a good way. But I wanted to talk a little bit about that this is going to be a preview feature in .NET 8, going to be released in .NET 9, from what I can read here, at least. Okay. Um, so it's got some a long way to go here. But uh, overall, seems going. Now, I want you to kind of walk me through here the what we had. Like, where, where did it start with, you know, Mono, LLVM, AOT? <laughs> did it get any better? There was like an Android thing. And then like, you know, now there, <laughs> then there was like the the startup tracing stuff. And now we got native AOT. We've talked about native AOT before, right? But like, mm -hmm. what's the main differences and why does someone care about these things? You just Besides want me to recap box. 15 years of history real quick here. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's start with, uh, I, I know the iOS side much better than I know the Android side. So I'm, I'm going to be a little iOS heavy. Surprise, everyone. Yeah. Uh, so it's AOT started out because uh, you just can't run a JIT on an iPhone. And so we had to run native code only. So we had to have a way to turn our beautiful intermediate language programs into native code. <laughs> a blessing in disguise because our apps run really fast <laughs> when they're turned into native code. So you can still write code in the managed runtime. AOT it runs on the iPhone, turns it into native code. That's your AOT. That was built on the Mono AOT, which had existed before. It was something they had built. Um, it was around for way back in the day. Uh, we used to put our assemblies in this huge global repository, and it was gross, the GAC. And we don't do that anymore, so we don't talk about it anymore. Let's all forget it. Never happened. Oof, throw it out the door. But uh, the Mono AOT was written to support that. Um, the Mono AOT did have a few deficiencies, though, especially around uh, um, generics. Generics didn't work well in the early days. And so they beefed up the Mono AOT. We've talked about it in episode after episode, adding features, adding features to it. So over many years, the Mono AOT got awesome. But, James, 
but you know there was a problem with it what's still what's the problem with it fast. we can make it faster people like fast they focused on small for a long time like the big goal was get everyone's app size down right and so they accomplished that i remember i think the minimum we hit at some point was like 3.5 megabytes for like the smallest ui kit ios app you could find native code executing but in a c-sharp context but it wasn't fast enough we can make it faster <laughs> So then came a feature called um, LLVM uh, AOT, where uh, it still does the AOT pass, but instead of actually outputting the ARM code or x86 code, it passes it on to the LLVM compiler, which is a Mm. highly optimizing compiler. And so it would take, so everything became kind of two pass, then it would go from C sharp, well, many passes c sharp to il il down to um this aot kind of intermediate form pass that on to llvm it compiles it down to really good machine code so then we got very small apps running very fast through the magic of that process that's all on the mono side any questions james until we talk about the microsoft side <laughs> no i'm good i'm ready Okay, Microsoft side. Microsoft, like I said, had the GAC. Am I saying that right? I thought it was called the GAC. Whatever. The Global GAC. Assembly yeah, yeah. something. Yeah. Collection. <laughs> um, so Microsoft has also had some ahead uh, of time compilation stuff, but they, they never had the need to go 100% ahead of time. And so that the system just wasn't designed for that. What it was designed to do is... Um, Execute some code, notice it executes sometimes, maybe write it to disk so it doesn't have to do that again. That's kind of how it was built. It wasn't built to take an entire assembly, an entire app, and just turn it into native code. It just wasn't in the design. So at some point, they decided, well, this native code thing is kind of nice. Uh, it'd be nice to just turn all our apps into that just for performance <laughs> reasons. <laughs> yeah. Makes and sense. I, I think this happened around like, did they do this for Windows Phone? I don't recall, but maybe definitely around the Windows UWP time and maybe a tiny bit before that. Um, they started to work on their own uh, AOT technology that would do do what I was saying before, take like an entire app and turn. They weren't going for 100%. They were going for like 90%. 90% native code with the tiniest little hooks for gross things like P invokes and regexes. <laughs> you were mentioning gross things where they uh, just couldn't get to work. And, um, you know, it started out with some funny limitations. I think, you know, generics were a limitation of it in the early days also. Mm. Obviously surpassed lately. Um, and over the years, that one has been built up also. And so what we have are these two technologies that really did start in two very different places, evolved over two different timelines. And truly, they are a big difference between the two runtimes, the mono runtime and the dot runtime. And the whole unification of all this .NET stuff, it, this is a huge step towards uh, towards that unification because these are uh, two big pieces that really don't talk to each other right now. And so it's nice to see them actually putting the effort into merging them. Nice. There we go. Story little, <laughs> little history. I like it. I think Very that cool. was fun. I think I, did, I, I, I don't think I left anyone out. Please, please write in. 
and uh, send, send all the messages to James. So one question I have for you is like, does this remove any of the bits of the tool chain that would be required? Or are you still basically, you know, I think one of the things with, with it, I thought is like, wasn't some of them code, like you said, like kind of like run through the, the Xcode well, LVM compiler and optimizer, like that's allows to happen for iOS. It doesn't have to happen. You don't have to use LLVM because it's just a, mm. there, it's just being used as an optimizer, essentially. Gotcha. So if in your Xamarin projects, it's always been a checkbox, um, especially because it is an optimizer. It can change your code and potentially introduce bugs. So anyone who did use that option, and honestly, I don't know how many people did. I did because I love speed. Uh, it could introduce bugs, and so you had to thoroughly test your apps with that option on. Uh Microsoft's uh, AOT is really good. Um, does it compete with LLVM? I don't know. It's it's really one of those tricky things where I'll just have to do side-by-side -side comparisons to find out. Um, it, it, it's neat. Like uh, I guess this will be V1 of them on iOS. So this is V1 of them having to deal with the evil sandbox and not being able to run any JIT code. Uh, but I'm excited because native AOT kind of works on Mac, but it, I don't think it's technically supported. Um, they kind of don't want you using it. So it's mm. kind of neat that um, if iOS gets it, then maybe we can bribe them into also making it work on Mac. <laughs> and that would be pretty hot also. So th this is all good news from my point of view. Nice. I like that. Yeah, I'm excited to see how where it goes. And, you know, anytime that I can get my application reduced in size with a checkbox. It's a good day. <laughs> no? It's a good day. It's a good day. I, I want that speed too, though. You know, app size, speed. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we all have our constraints. Me, I want that floating point speed. You know what I'm hoping for? Uh, remember, all the, remember all the vector stuff? Do you remember I wrote a blog post about vector performance yes. years and years ago mm -hmm. it's one of those funny little places where like you know between the runtimes how do the runtimes diverge the threading libraries diverge the garbage collectors diverge um another one is where vector support simd support like the processor support for these kinds of things that was a neat thing the llvm compiler would give you to be like auto vectorizing Whereas on the Microsoft side, there's just more sophisticated types like in system numerics, vector, those things exist. And the JIT and the AOT are aware of them and output good code for them. So it's funny, like um, on the mono side, you would not use the system numerics types because they were a little bit slow. You do the other things and... LVM would make them fast. Whereas on the Microsoft side, you definitely should use system numerics vectors because they're very fast. And so the unification of all of this, I hope I can finally just, you know, stop caring about all these stupid minor details and uh, be happy that the system numerics vectors library will hopefully be merged also with all this. That'd be cool. Yeah. Big, <laughs> big things come in like down the road. You know what I mean? I know that's done in A, we got done in I and done it. You know, 28 down the road, but each of these kind of years are like some fundamental shifts. So it's kind of interesting how this goes and how it improves overall. So I'm excited. I'm excited overall. And mm -hmm. talking about evolving, there's been two big changes in the world of uh, 
.NET development with uh, a little uh, code editor called VS Code. I don't know if you heard of that, little VS Code, Visual Studio Code. Uh, I kind of live in it these days. I, I, I use it way too much. You know how people have like 100 tabs open in their browsers? Mm-hmm. Like 100 VS Code windows open. It's bad. nothing wrong with that. I always nothing I wrong. Got, you know, I got my I got my my VS Code pinned right next to my VS. Like they're they're there and they're both active mostly throughout the entire mm-hmm. day. Use them for different reasons, different purposes based on what I'm building. Uh, but uh, last month there was the C Sharp Dev Kit announcement, which was actually two announcements in one. Which was one, the C Sharp extension, which has been around forever. Um, was basically written from the ground up with a new LSP, a language server protocol, uh, host support to use Roslyn. Uh, and that uses, makes sure it's like more performant, extensible, flexible, more flexible, and just makes things more stable and better, basically. So think of it as the LSP system that Visual Studio uses is now what VS Code is using, which is pretty awesome. And there's, so if you were just literally using it before, it just upgrades, you get the new one, right? It's like, here it is, right? That's pretty cool. And they, um, it's fully open source. Um, there's just basically the next version of, of OmniSharp. It's the evolution of OmniSharp into this thing. And then there's no changes in licensing. It's just, here it is. It's the same thing, MIT, boom, boom, boom. Now the team said, well, we can think about how do we improve that even more, right? How do we make C-sharp development even better, right? How do we make it Things that are in Visual Studio or in IDEs that would be common for C-sharp developers that aren't really VS Code-isms because VS Code is folder-based. How do we make that better? Well, they came up with the C-sharp DevKit extension, which adds in Solution Explorer support. So you can see your projects in a solution, who would have thunk, um, <laughs> which is really cool. And you can see like your dependencies. You can see your new package. You can see all this different stuff. They have a native test explorer. Um, in there, and they also have IntelliCode for the C-Sharp Dev Kit, which is AI-powered, whole line completions, which is pretty cool. Now, those two things are licensed under the Visual Studio subscription, including the Community Edition, right? Those are two closed source extensions that build on top of the C-Sharp extension. So if you're saying, I don't want to log in with anything, we'll just keep <laughs> using the C-Sharp extension. It's fully open source, MIT, you're good to go, no licensing, you're boom, boom, boom. If you're like, well, I want even more awesomeness. Let me get this awesomeness. We're good to go. Have you tried this new stuff? It's been a month since it's been out. Have you <laughs> played around with the, the 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 kits and the devs and the stuff? I have to admit, I installed it, but it never worked because I didn't activate it. I didn't log in, James. I wasn't being a good Microsoft customer and I wasn't authenticating because honestly, I get lost in pop-ups in VS Code sometimes. It's a little, it's a little pop-up heavy. Yes, code, you're getting a little pop-up heavy. Uh, but I finally I finally cracked down this week, and I finally did log into everything, <laughs> especially okay, when we talk about what you're going to talk about next. Um, I hope you're going to talk about next. Uh, it, it was, I, I, I logged into my Microsoft. I logged into my GitHub, and there was still one more thing it wanted me to log into that activate the C-sharp extension. But once I did... Yes, I had my Solution Explorer, finally, a good Solution Explorer. And uh, it, it you'll have to tell me, is this a part of it? But there's also a NuGet gallery. Uh, was that a part of the C-sharp extension, or is that just some other extension I might have installed or something? Because I want to complement the NuGet gallery also. It was working very well. That's a great question. Um, 
I think package management it says yeah. it has it in it. I think. Yeah, it worked pretty well. Uh, wh- whatever was providing that nougat. <laughs> so I, I definitely noticed the Solution Explorer because it's totes there. Yeah. I, I was a little upset because the Solution Explorer had dependencies. I tried right-clicking on dependencies to add a package, and there was nothing there. But yeah. fortunately, there is the um, nougat gallery. You just type it in, and your projects show up there, and you can just put a checkbox by whatever you want. Easy yeah. peasy. Um, I would say everything worked. It installed yet another .NET runtime on me because that's what it likes to do. It just it it likes to install .NET runtimes. I get it. Uh, it did complain about one of my workloads missing because workloads mm. are the most annoying thing on the planet. But uh, I just restarted VS Code and everything worked. So. I want to tell you about my favorite feature of it yet, but I'll, I'll, I'll let you take back control for a moment. No, I think that's fairly accurate. I'm, I have to double check on the NuGet package thing. Maybe you installed some other one. I think it might mm-hmm. be in there. Maybe not. I want whoever, whoever did it. That's I guess who we <laughs> want to give credit to right at the end of the day. Um, yeah, no, I think that there are lots of pop-ups in VS code and it's a little bit tricky to <laughs> figure out X, Y, Z. Uh, that's for sure. But yeah, I mean, I've definitely been using it in some of my projects, been working fairly well. So, I mean, I don't know much else to add. You're, you're crushing it. But you said you have a favorite feature? Oh, I, I have a favorite feature by very far. And it's very simple. But um, look, here, here's the deal, James. I can press F5 and my app runs and it debugs. No. <laughs> yes. Been, it's... It's been a little bit a long time to be able to finally have that feature, but it is wonderful. It is the most important thing ever. Um, I have tried the hackiest versions of getting... Uh, I was playing around with a Mac Catalyst thing. We have to announce that there's a Maui thing. There's a Maui VS Code thing, uh, which enables debug, which, thank goodness, because... I, I tried the hackiest uh, launch configurations, whatever they're called in VS Code, trying to trick the debugger into working, and I could never trick the debugger into working. And now I just press F5, and it just works, and I'm just happy, and I'm just happy to say that. It's just my favorite feature because it's, it's just debugging, but I'm just happy it's there. <laughs> it's true. Now, I will say this. I was a little confused the very first time that I uh, tried to debug an app because I'm used to, uh, let's say I create an ASP.NET Core like API. I'm used to, when I create that in Visual Studio, there's like a JSON file that has the configurations for the launch settings. And actually, it's a little bit tricky because VS Code doesn't use that. That's for Visual Studio. It actually has its own launch configuration. So you kind of have to figure out and play this little dance a little bit, I would say, to get kind of used to that. Um, but once you do, and you figure that out, it, it does kind of walk you through it. And in fact, I think when you, you go to debug, it's like, do you want to use the .NET Core debugger or do you want to use the C sharp debugger? Or like, how do you want to configure it? But really what you want to do is like, just go into your like run and debug, create like the, the, the configuration file and then like have it work. That's what I've noticed at least. See, I don't even like that now because, um, so Ooh. everyone should go install the C sharp extension and toolkit thingers and then go install the great new maui extension yes and the 
Maui extension adds yet another <laughs> debugging target. So yeah, you're right. When you hit F5, it says something like um, .NET Core debugger, C-sharp debugger. I don't know what the quite difference is. Um, but now a new debugger shows up called Debug Maui App or something like that. And you just hit that one and everything just works even without any configuration files or anything because it knows everything. All that information is yeah. there. Of course, it can debug the process. But um, I have noticed one annoying thing is every time I hit F5, I have to keep choosing Maui. I haven't figured out how to get it to like default to it. For that, I might actually have to create a launch settings configuration thing. But I don't know how to tell that to use the Maui debugger. But anyway, don't care because at least I have Maui debugging at the moment. Yeah, it's super cool. I uh, have known about this for a while, but I couldn't have said anything about it, which is cool. (laughs) And this is nice because... The .NET MAUI extension builds on top of the C-Sharp dev kit. So it's all kind of this big ecosystem evolving around us because extensibility was one of the big things to kind of build in this ecosystem. And what I love about it is that, yeah, you get a lot of the core features in .NET MAUI plus the C-Sharp dev kit. So you get the solution explorer, you get like a lot of the package management stuff, right? You get this nice stuff. And then what's really nice is, yeah, you can easily select your target. There's like little drop downs. You can create new um, you know, solutions, obviously open things up, just kind of works. You can have things side by side in VS code. That was the problem before is like your back end, <laughs> your front and all this stuff. And then additionally, um, you have all the profiles, which I think are nice. Uh, but at the same time, what I think is really cool about the .NET MAUI stuff is that it works not only on Windows, but it works on Mac and it also works on Linux for Android development, <laughs> which is kind of cool too. So. That's pretty bit neat. crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of cool. Just, you know, what I like about it is if you go into, you know, the palette command palette in VS code, you type in .net, you type in C sharp, like just there's so much stuff in there now. Like I felt so lonely for so long and now it's, there's so much awesome stuff kind of happening right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, I haven't played with all the device stuff. Um, I've just been messing around on the Mac, but I, I, of course, had to play around with, can I actually select an iOS device and do that kind of stuff? Uh, I think there's, th- and there's a million options, by the way. I hit the settings button by accident and there were 8 Oops. billion settings. So there's a lot to look through there. Uh, but I, I, I'm excited for this. Um, I think VS Code is a very nice IDE to use, especially at handling multiple projects, especially at handling folders full of multiple projects in different languages, which is kind of my shtick. I do a lot of that. And it it, it handles it sometimes gracefully, sometimes not, but it mostly handles it. And so it's nice that I can fully edit because let's be real. I was alt tabbing between um, VS for Mac and VS code a lot of times because I would want to take advantage of different features. I think it's search and replace are fantastic. Um, yeah. And so now it's just kind of nice that I can hang out there a little bit more. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It's all it's all there. And yeah, it's 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 pretty rad. I, I think it's a good you know first start. And, you know, I think like it's in technically preview. Like, I actually think all these yeah. things are in preview. So, you know, it's kind of nice to see it evolve and, you know, and see where it's kind of be going and mixing all these things together into one nice space. And you know, again, whether you're using VS, VS for Mac or VS Code, you're on Linux, wherever you're at, like 
you know, you get to use your tools and what you want. So to me, this is a nice option. Like there's a lot missing and still kind of coming that, that Maddie yeah. put in her blog post, which I'll link in the show notes. But it's a good, you know, first step, in my opinion, just doing I like I can do file new project and like <laughs> in VS code, which is a thing I've never been able to do. And I can say, give me a .NET Maui project and like creates one for me. Like, I don't know. It's pretty cool. I'm just saying, I don't know. And they baked in a few templates I noticed also. So like if you hit the add button next to a project, there's like yes. a good five to ten-ish little templates there for yeah. random little things. <laughs> All sorts of little code file thingies. <laughs> yeah, I did I did sort of forget that. It's like, yeah, add new file. And it's like, oh, here's a class. Here's a struct. Here's an email, whatever. <laughs> so I could see them building that out even yeah. more, which would be pretty nice. I think there's still some big features from VS for Mac that prevent me from being 100% in VS code. Um, mostly property editors that aren't CS proj editors because who's got who's got, who's got time for a CS proj? Um, but you know, it, it, lots of little details like that. But oof, you add debugging to this thing, and I'm <laughs> just going back to that. That's pretty. That's pretty game changer there. Yeah. It's pretty nice. Yeah, and I like it. Like, you know, you just open it up and you get little things, you got little deployment things like bing, boom, boom, ba-doom. Yeah, it's pretty neat. So, yeah. That's it. That's all I got, Frank. That's all I got. That's all, that's all I wanted to talk. I just wanted to talk about debugging my apps in VS Code today. So w- okay. we covered way more than that, but I- I'm glad I got my chance to just uh, sing some praises here and say awesome. hashtag finally. Good. <laughs> Well, if you've tried any of the new stuff, let us know. Write us into the podcast, mergeconflict.fm. There's a contact button. You can just up on Twitter or anywhere on the internet, really. Uh, James Montemagno at Proclarum on the Twitters. I'm on the threads at James Montemagno. Are you on the threads, Frank Krueger? The threads? Avoiding it so far. Okay, good. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not really on the threads. I'm barely checking it. I don't know. Like My Instagram was private, so when I moved to threads, it's like I don't have anyone there because my I only have like 12 followers on Instagram because it's private, right? So to me, it wasn't good. You know, I think I talked to Handsome. He's like, well, I got I got like a billion people. It's like, well, yeah, because you're Scott and you're, good, you're probably out of public Instagram and like blah, blah, blah. So I think it's a good move. But for me, it didn't it wasn't helpful that I didn't build a presence on the Instagram. But that's okay. social nets. Social nets seem to be better when they're social and large. Yeah. yeah. Too but bad. I've been trying to stay off all the things recently so maybe the best way to do it is just to email us maybe let's get more active in discord i don't know too many things too many open boxes but one place we are active frank is our patreon where you can get exclusive behind the scenes access to merge conflict merge or patreon.com forward slash merge conflict fm it's in the show notes we put out a bonus podcast almost every single week um <laughs> including video bonus stuff too and we read all the comments you can join our 55 plus growing member list of Patreon subscribers all the way for $2 a month up to as much as you want. That money goes directly into the hosting fees. And uh, Frank and I split that money uh, whenever I remember to pay him um, from the fund. (laughs) He's an okay boss. Yeah. He pays me Uh, sometimes. Yeah. I'll do what I can. Um, (laughs) But that's going to do it for this week's Merch Conflict. So until next time and next week, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for watching and listening. Peace. Peace.